Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to NFL Trend Zone. We are the podcast arm of FranchiseTag.com, a website that covers everything about the NFL. Every team, all analysis, free agency, trades, the whole gambit. That's what we do at FranchiseTag.com. I'm joined by Wesley Johnson tonight. Our tri-host Jason Bolin is off this evening, and we are joined by one of Franchise Tag's owned, Abby Venkat. Uh, he is going to spitball some ideas with us here tonight about the NFL draft fallout and Julio Jones and a little bit of Aaron Rodgers stuff. Those are the docket tonight. They may seem a little bit stale in terms of topics, but they won't die. They just keep going on. So we'd be silly if we didn't talk about them. So uh, we've got that plethora. We wrap up our draft series and then uh, next or two weeks from now, because I won't be available next week, uh, we will get back into the regular topical news. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action. For example, the Brooklyn Nets are the front runner to win the NBA championship. They are cooking right now. Uh, their odds probably aren't diminishing at all, so you might want to seize on them if you are a gambler of the NBA. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Here we go again. Um, this is our final, I guess, draft fallout show. We're doing the Wests, and that's the AFC West and the NFC West. And then we will get into more Julio Jones stuff because that is still an apropos topic, and we'll see where the night takes us thereafter. Um, in our series, we've had the same segment of questions, and tonight we'll start with the AFC West. And um, what I'd uh, – oh, no, that's the NFC West. Hold on. AFC West, um, in which team had a solid draft? Uh, West, I – I went with the Chargers mainly because uh, Rashawn Slater is somebody I coveted for my favorite team. And then uh, Asante Sample, uh, Samuel, I am a sucker for the bloodline stuff. And uh, I think that he'll kind of have that Winfield feel about him. I know that's cliche, but I do believe it. Uh, so the Chargers were the team that I thought had the most solid draft. Uh, what do you have? Yeah, uh, Chargers did have a really good draft. Uh, they were up there for me. Um but for the sake of the show, I'll pivot to the Broncos. Um, okay. They also got a bloodline player and Patrick Sertain in the first round, first cornerback off the board. Um, Monte Williams in the second round, running back, big bruising running back. And then um, pretty sure it's everybody's uh, favorite uh, internet pictures. Uh, Quinn uh, Marinez, the center. Pregnant um, guy. Yeah, with the little <laughs> crop top uh, T-shirt and belly exposed. Uh, uh, so I, I think they did well. Uh, obviously, you know, it remains to be seen until they get on the field. But sure. um, all those guys have uh, a lot of upside to them and, and should be able to contribute immediately. Avi, do you have anything different? It's okay if you don't. Um, then the yeah, I thought the Chargers and the Broncos were probably the best two drafts in in yeah. that division, and I, I, I personally like the Chargers better mm -hmm. uh, because of Slater and Samuel. And I also like uh, the Josh, Josh Palmer pick in round okay. three, giving them more yeah. receivers for Justin Herbert. So, Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the consensus. The Chiefs, it was hard to say they have a great draft unless you look at the great the whole picture because they uh, traded for Orlando Brown. So that was kind of their draft. If you wanted to get really nitpicky, you could say that that's, that might be the winner. And then uh, that's a nice segue to the next thing uh, onto the Raiders about which team <clears throat> um, had a questionable draft. I don't think there's any other answer than the Raiders. And it's solely for the fact that they, they refuse to shed their own conceived stereotype. Uh, we had uh, a guy named Daryl on about two months ago, and he was a diehard Raiders fan, and we were asking him about the draft, and he said something to the effect, well, I hope they don't go up there and do something stupid. And then we all watched, and not that Leatherwood is a dumb pick, or maybe he'll be great, but he could have been found later on. So like clockwork, it's the Raiders in this out of this foursome that's uh, questionable. And uh, Wes, is there is there a team other than that that was questionable that I'm not – Thinking about no, uh, no. I like all the of the other teams in this division except for the Raiders draft. 
Yeah. Yeah, that one is simple. Uh, once I realized we had the Raiders teed up for us, I was like, oh boy, there's not going to be a wrong answer there. Um, also on, with that. Yeah, go ahead. Obviously, they, they needed offensive line help after kind of getting rid of uh, <laughs> 80% of their line yeah. in the offseason. And, and they take Leatherwood in round one, and then they don't take another offensive lineman to round six. It, it kind of baffling. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but obviously their biggest area of need they addressed once and that just completely forgot about. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't just that they wanted to redo the offensive line and, you know, it was in dire need of repair. It's that nobody forecasted that they were going to blow the bastard up. And they were like, well, they must have a plan in the draft. And then it's a weird plan and it's a singular plan. It's Leatherwood. And that's about it. So it was like, you guys didn't need to blow up the line, at least according to every metric that there is, but why'd you do it? But it's more of those Gruden mysteries that, I don't know, he's, he's lucky that he's got a, a sweetheart deal because if it was a different coach with a different name, we'd be like, who? what is he doing? But with Gruden, he gets benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, they had, other than, other than the offensive line, they needed secondary help. But mm-hmm. So they went three safeties. But they, <laughs> but they also needed corner help, and the only corner they got was Nate Hobbs out of Illinois. Who, yeah, I've seen a couple of him because I go there, and he's decent. But I don't, oh. I don't think he's going to help them. Okay, so you go to the University of Illinois? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that about yes. you, sir. Excellent. Uh, so I, in uh, I'll try to save face for the Raiders. The next one on who I thought was a high value pick, I will say, uh, Trevor Morig. And I saw this bit on uh, Twitter on the first night of the draft, I believe, and kind of when we were decompressing that. And I think it was from Brett Coleman. I think he is an analyst and a Texans fan or Texans writer. Forgive me, Brett, if I uh, associated your fandom erroneously. He said, if you switch the picks and you go with Morgan the first round and Leatherwood in the second, just pretend because then it actually <laughs> is a good draft. And you know, a lot of the stuff we see on Twitter is designed for giggles, and that one got one of me, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. So I like the fact that uh, Morig was forecasted in that 22, 23, 24 range in most mock drafts. And the Raiders, even though they are, they're not godlike in their draft acumen, they got a first-round talent almost to make up for Leatherwood. So if you switch those picks, there might be some efficacy to what they did. Um, <laughs> I know everybody won't have uh, Morg, I don't think. Wes, who do you have for a value pick? For a value pick, I have uh, Trey Smith, guard. Uh, he went to Kansas City in the sixth round. Um, a lot of people are saying that looking back on the draft, um, he could be a name that you're like, oh, wow, they really got high value coming uh, out of the sixth round with that pick. Um, obviously, Kansas City revamped the offensive line the right way. Um, you know, trading a first round pick, uh, selecting Creed Humphrey in uh, the second, and then following that up with Trey Smith in the sixth. So uh, I think they did a, a, a fantastic job of protecting, you know, their franchise. Abby, what do you got for a high value pick? Yeah, I had both uh, Humphrey and Morig. Okay. I mean, uh, um, Smith and Morig, but then I also had the other Kansas City offensive lineman, Creed Humphrey. Yeah. I think he shouldn't have gone to the late second round. So that's yeah. incredible value for them. Yeah, and we had we did a show a month and a half ago, Wes and our usual tri host, Jason Bolin. Um, cool sounding names. And that was the one I picked Creed Humphrey because I'm a Rocky fan and Apollo Creed fan. My cats, one of my cats is named Apollo Creed. So I wanted to point that out. We circled back and Creed Humphrey fell within the AFC West uh, picks that were reaches. Um, Leatherwood is the obvious one. We can't rehash that too much. No. Right. And in terms of reaches, I didn't personally see a whole lot when I did my homework for this particular segment. I think if you really had to stretch it, and this is you know me looking for something bad, perhaps the Broncos didn't need to pick uh, Javante there. It would have the way that I kind of equated it is like if Javante didn't go to the Bron- Broncos, would anybody really be upset right now? No, uh, because right. they have Melvin Gordon and uh, Mike Boone, who's a speedster. They probably would have been just fine there. So if I'm forced to find a non-Leatherwood uh, reach, I would go um, Javante. Uh, what's his last name? 
Williams. Uh, Williams. Williams. Okay. <clears throat> I was going to say Wilson. Javante Williams to the Broncos, although I don't dislike that pick because the Broncos always make running backs just work. Uh, Abby, yeah. what do you have for perhaps another reach within the division other I, than Leatherwood? Uh, there wasn't really much, but the one thing that was a bit of a reach, I think, was Trey McKitty, the tight end the Chargers took in the fourth round. Okay. I think they probably could have gotten him later. So. Okay. But like you said, there's not many reaches at the end. There wasn't. <clears throat> there wasn't, and that was kind of an oddity. Wait till we get to the next segment. I have a little speech to give about that. Maybe you guys notice this. Anywho, Wes, what do you have for a reach? Uh, I will go with uh, the Chiefs' first pick, which was Nick Bolton, linebacker. Uh, good player, but I don't necessarily know that that was a pressing need for them. Uh, I knew that. I know that they ne- they needed uh, better depth at defensive end and i don't think they addressed that until the fourth round if i'm not mistaken um carlos basham was on the board at that time he went a few picks later to buffalo that's so your, that's your guy yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fourth time you've name dropped that son of a bitch. yeah um you know i i think he could have definitely helped them in, in that area okay um, I think the Chargers were the team that improved most in this uh, division, and I think that's just because they got Rashawn Slater to protect their rookie of the year quarterback. Uh, most reasonable mock drafts had it go Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw for the one, two, three of left tackles. And I believe that the Chargers getting Slater first everybody kind of knew it if he fell there and so i think it just came to fruition and so long as he pans out and herbert doesn't have a sophomore slump i think that that makes them uh, the most uh, improved team and they didn't need a whole lot of improvement they just need some maturation to build off of their seven and nine year i believe it was abby what do you have is it the chargers uh i actually thought the chiefs overall improved the best which is They, they were, yeah, <laughs> but they basically changed the entire offensive line. They got Kai Long, they got Lana Brown, they got uh, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. So they have, they got a lot of depth there. Then also Nick Bolton is going to help out their defense because they needed linebacker help. So, okay. And then Wes, is it the, are you going to go with the Broncos again or who are you going with? No, I, I had Chiefs or the, or the Chargers. Okay. Um, I'm a little more concerned about the Chiefs as I know that uh, a lot of their receivers uh, were free agents uh, outside of um, outside of uh, Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, I know they're returning a few guys, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, they, there were some stone hands out there in the Super Bowl. So um, yeah. pass catchers for Mahomes you know, should be a premium as well. Okay. Moving right along to the NFC West, <clears throat> my little, uh, I guess, teaser now that I'll reveal is I didn't realize this on face value when I did my initial decompression of all the draft in that week right after. But compared to the stuff that I've studied over these past four weeks for the show, this division had a garbage for a draft. Like comparatively, yeah. there's some shows that we did, I think maybe the AFC North were. I, there were a couple times I said, I don't think anybody did poorly. And then I, when I was looking at this one, I was trying to find a team that did well. So perhaps that's just me. Maybe you guys will echo the same sentiment. But on our what team had a solid draft, I was tempted to say none of them. But then I guess the Niners, you could say, if, if, Lance, if Lance is indeed their future franchise dude, then, yeah, it'll it turn out to be a home run. But I got a little spiel. To, so I'm going to be all over the board on the 49ers <laughs> during this exercise, all over. So hopefully with Wes's friends that listen out in the Bay Area, uh, they can they can agree with me because there's, there's bittersweet things all about this draft. So I'll, you, you're going to hear me be like, well, I thought he liked it. I thought he disliked it. So if I had to pick a solid draft, this is just me. Maybe you guys love this division. Uh, I would say the Niners, but that's that's asterisk because I don't think it was all that solid. Uh, Abby, who, which which team had a solid draft? Yeah, I like the 49ers too because I, I like what they did getting Trey Lance, and then they also got Aaron Banks to help out their uh, offensive line. And then they got Trey Sermon in the third round. So Kyle Shanahan is a really good run play designer, and he got Trey Lance, he got Trey Sermon. I think it's going to be really good for their offense. Okay. Wes. Yeah. uh, San Francisco out of all of them. 
probably have the best draft. Um, I mean, it, it all hinges on Trey Lance. Um, obviously, if they they miss the the mark on this one, it's gonna set them back for the next few years uh, with the draft capital they had to get uh, give up to move up that far. So um, it all hinges on Trey Lance. But you know, early indications are you know he's he's the guy and he should be fine. Okay. Yeah. On questionable drafts. If I'm going to put the Niners in the, the mediocre, decent category, I think they were all questionable. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll laser in on the Rams because I'll never stop saying this. The last time that they picked a first-round asset was Jared Goff five years ago. They're an organization that just trades away the first-round draft picks, and I can't for the life of me figure out how that's a good strategy. Yes, they got to a Super Bowl. Maybe maybe I'm just stupid for not uh, you know pounding that home. But the Seahawks needed to hit a home run after hitting after only having three picks in terms of maybe expanding that and trading back and getting five picks. They didn't. And on a previous show, Wes, you talked about uh, Eskridge being kind of a reach too. So uh, I just and then the Cardinals. It looked like the Cardinals might be a lot of flash rather than substance players. Uh, Zayvon Collins made. I don't know if he had to go that high, but. I don't think that any of them outside of the potential upside of the Niners draft was all that good. So I think they're all questionable. Yes. Yeah. I have to agree with you. Um, You know, Collins in the first pairing him with last year's first round um, Simmons. uh, They're two fairly similar players stylistically. Um, You know, maybe there's a plan to have them both out there flying around uh, with, you know, J.J. Watt commanding double teams up front um, or Chandler Jones on the outside. Who, who knows? But I mm-hmm. uh, do think that was kind of reach. I know that they needed a defensive back help. Uh, I know we covered it on just the general draft show. Uh, for me, it was Seattle that had, um, you know, the worst draft of all, uh, only having three picks and then not addressing the offensive line until the sixth round just – kind of baffles me and <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's not like they have to make anybody happy in that organization that's whining about the offensive line exactly it's just a, it's all it's like a mini troll job that goody does in the in green bay <laughs> uh maybe it's headed down that path uh Abby, did it did, which one of these teams or which ones had questionable drafts uh, i thought the rams were the really off uh draft out of these teams because uh, I think Tutu Atwell like wasn't a need for them at all. They they're already really deep in receiver, yeah. and then they didn't address the offensive line at all, and they kind of need help there. So one thing I realized, and maybe the rest of the world already knew about this and has it firmly in their brains, that Josh Reynolds left the Rams. So when they when they signed Deshaun Jackson and they got uh, Atwell, it kind of made sense that they wanted to get richer and have a weapon in Atwell. Um, but yeah. I forgot that Reynolds had left the division. And so not that he was like, you know, very elite or anything, but he, he whenever I think of a good, decent WR3, I think of him. I don't know if that's from fantasy football ingrained in me, but uh, that's what I kind of point to as a, a, a working man's WR3. Uh, the one that yeah. I had for uh, a high value pick, again, I struggled to figure out what is a high value pick because none of these drafts jumped off the page to me. I thought perhaps Rondell Moore, uh, because I saw mock drafts where he was maybe going to go to a wide receiver needy team like the Ravens or the Bears. So if he can get some traction behind Hopkins and Kirk and then Fitz, if he returns, uh, which is, you know, he would be in the fourth hole. Uh, But yeah, Rondell Moore, if I was forced to pick a value pick, it would be him. Wes, what do you got? What do you think I got? <laughs> oh, let's see. <laughs> we will go with San Francisco in the fifth round. Uh, Is it a Alanoa USC Hafanga, USC safety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can read you like a book. <laughs> I, uh, I thought he could go as early as the third round. Um, I, I wanted Minnesota to grab him at some point in – when he went to the Niners, I was like, God dang yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, he's my high value pick, uh, sleeper fifth round. Uh, we'll see what, what happens with them in San Fran. 
I can usually tell when you start to have this little smirk, it's going to be something <laughs> USC related. So uh, it's like you and, I need, you and I need to play poker together or something. Right. Bobby, <laughs> what do you got for a high value pick? Yeah, I also really like the Talona Fanga pick for the Niners. I think he only fell because I think he had a shoulder injury or something. So if he's healthy, he's going to be a really good player for them. But my pick's actually going to be for the Seahawks. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Stone Forsythe for them in the sixth round, even though they didn't address the offensive line until then, he was supposed to go much earlier. Mm -hmm. So that makes up for the fact that they waited so long. Yeah, and I just got to hope that he pans out. Um, he's got a world-class first name. That's my son's first name. Uh, and you don't see that very often. That's why I'm calling out uh, Stone Forsythe. Um, and then for reaches, this one I debated if I really wanted to get on record saying this. But I, I'll start with Eskridge because uh, that one, could he could have been found by other reasonable teams later in the draft. So not to kick a dead horse, uh, but him. But I, fundamentally trading the enterprise for Trey Lance was not necessary. Um, they can tell me that they wanted him all along. Fine, dandy. I don't think you had to trade all the way up to three to get him, especially when we were in a national debate for three weeks on whether or not uh, Mac Jones was going to be the guy or Fields, who ultimately was the one that fell, uh, who was going to be their savior. So I I know that you can't uh, you know, play too much uh, chess on draft night to get the guy that you absolutely love. Um, but I really don't think they had to trade up to three to get Trey Lance. So I think that that was a reach in the strict definition of reach. Abby, what do you have? Uh, for my reach, I had the Tutu Atwell pick for the Rams. Oh, okay. Staying consistent, are you? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I just didn't like that pick at all. And yeah. Because he's, he's like a 170 pounds. They didn't, he wasn't supposed to go in the second round. And then they already picked Van Jefferson last year. Yeah. The, in the second type. round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just didn't need him at all. Andrews, a reach. So <laughs> yeah, West yeah. Smith with it. Yeah, Tutu Atwell, uh, five eight wide receiver. Uh, they don't have a very good track record. Um, specifically, those five ten and under. Uh, most recently, KJ Hamler, uh, Tavon Austin, and Dre Archer. Um, Tavon Austin's a big name because he went, uh, I believe top 10, top 12 in the draft, uh, but it hasn't really panned out. So um, I would uh, piggyback on Tutu Atwell. Okay. Um, and then here's where I start to get uh, wishy-washy. So for the team that improved the most, uh, so you'll, you'll recall one minute ago, I didn't say that I think Lance was going to be a bust or that he was going to suck or anything. I just didn't think he had to trade all the way up that far to get him. But I do think that they, out of these four teams, that the Niners improved the most in the draft um, because of Lance's potential. Uh, Gone are the days where Garoppolo will get hurt and then they have to pivot to Bettered um, or... um, Mullins. Mullins, yeah. Mullins, who's actually a pretty decent backup quarterback. Those days are gone. And we don't even know if Garoppolo will get out of the gate with a starting job. He probably deserves to because he's a good quarterback. Uh, He just doesn't stay healthy. That's the whole reason they got Lance. So let's say they go with Garoppolo and the same stuff happens and he's hurt. Well, then, you know, everybody's excited morbidly uh, because they'll they'll get to see Lance if they don't start him out of the gate. So I think Lance's potential with uh, Shanahan's tutelage makes this the most solid draft. And yes, I'm having it every way possible. I'm saying (laughs) it's a reach, but I think they improved. It's very odd dynamic. I hope I didn't talk myself in circles. Wes, who got got better uh, out of these four teams? Yeah, I would say San Francisco. Uh, also could say Arizona as well when you factor in free agency. Um, you know, obviously that's if J.J. Watt can stay healthy, um, which has been a problem. Uh, but pairing J.J. Watt with um, with Jones, um, I think they both – I forget what the stat was, but they uh, both have the most – pressures or sacks I, it was from a, another show that we we had where it was some, something absurd where both ranked one and two in um sacks or pressures over the last like five years okay 
All right. Well, that's what we have for the draft items. And that concludes our series. We went division by division over the last month. And hopefully you, you listeners enjoyed that. But we're not done tonight. We've got uh, apropos topics. We're going to get into Julio Jones. But I've asked this before, and I don't think I've ever, I know I've never picked Avi's brain on this. And I'm going to ask you again, Wes. And I want to, this came up. When we were just talking about these teams. Why on earth? I don't want to hear it's the division. Every, every division's pretty good. Why is the nation so low on the Arizona Cardinals? They don't, the, 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 the power rankings, the pundits, the writers like me, um, they don't think they're going to be awful, but they're considered this mid-tier team by Vegas, by power ranking authors. Um, they're usually about the 15th or 16th best team. And I, for the life of me, can't figure out why there isn't a hype train that's going to a thirst for a Kyler Murray maturation ascension like Josh Allen in year three, because this will be year three. They just got J.J. Watt, who, if he stays healthy, will be formidable opposite Chandler Jones. You even gushed over that on one show, uh, Wes, where you said, think about those two edge rushers if they're healthy. Uh, Top two, top three wide receiver in the business. Uh, Christian Kirk is no slouch. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, they just drafted Zayvon Collins. They got the two edge rushers. The secondary is iffy, but if this team is going to be a mini team of destiny, it's got to start right now. Otherwise Kingsbury probably won't survive. Um, But why can't any pundit that I see get them to 10 and seven or 11 and six, they, they feel like they're about to take a playoff leap. And I don't know why I'm the only guy in the world that feels like um, that I believe in them, even though I don't like them. Uh, Wes, where am I going wrong there? And I know you're about to say it's a tough division, but is there anything different than that? Um, yeah, uh, I think what we saw last year, and this is coming from a fantasy perspective, uh, yeah. I had Kyler Murray as one of my quarterbacks in one of the leagues. Um, the offense is very Kyler Murray dependent, um, and he tended to only look towards uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, there was the game last year where um, he hit Hopkins on a Hail Mary. And then after that, he, he kind of fizzled a little bit. Uh, they depend on him a ton in the running game. Um, they couldn't get anything really going outside of him last year. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, you'd rather have him in the pocket than scrambling around. Obviously, it's part of his game. Mm-hmm. But the more he gets outside of the pocket, the larger tendency he has to injure himself, which he did towards the end of last year. Um, I think people are just waiting to see if one, if he can take that next step. And then also um, uh, it was a Kingsbury, the coach, Mm -hmm. if he can actually take the next step and and help this offense evolve uh, more so than um, the Murray and Hopkins show. So um, I, I think that Murray is on the precipice of taking that step, but I'm also one of the guys I'm not obsessed or infatuated with mobile quarterbacks. Like most of the world is in this offense, thirsty planet. Um, that's, you know, been created over the past decade. So it's not that I'm uh, just bedazzled with the way that he's quick and runs the ball. Yay. Um, no, I just think that he's going to progress and then probably be a top, eight quarterback because it's time and he's shown me flashes of uh, brilliance and I think that he will get good Um, but the reason that I'm skittish on mobile quarterbacks as the end all of everything is because the immobile ones keep winning Super Bowls and I I just I know it's probably skewed by Brady um, but Nick Foles won one and then Brady wins it and uh, having a mobile quarterback is not a blueprint to get to the Super Bowl. It's a blueprint for jerseys and ratings and fantasy football. Um, but until they start rapid fire winning Super Bowls um, or leading teams to Super Bowls, I'm not infatuated. But with Murray, I think he can do both. I think he's a pocket passer if he wants to be, but he, then he's the dual threat. So I just think that he's going to have a bigger year than the first two years. And he wasn't even bad these last two years. Uh, so each time I, I, I got like, I'll look at Joe Schmo's power rankings. And, oh, boom. There's the Cardinals at number 16. And I was like, is this going to be the time that they get up in the top 10? Nope. So Abby, where, where are, am I wrong or where is the, the, the body politic wrong? So I think the issue with the Cardinals is first of all, I don't think the, their division has, uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, and then the 49ers. So mm-hmm. like they have to play those teams six times, but then I think there's also like people aren't like sold on Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Like 
he was supposed to bring this like super innovative like passing attack and stuff, but he hasn't really like been able to design good passing plays. Mm-hmm. He's misused Hopkins in a way, only keeping him on the left side of the field, basically. And then also uh, their offensive line is yeah a bit iffy, so yeah. there's issues there. Then back to Kingsbury, he has pretty bad game management stuff. He's <laughs> messed up a lot there so i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's mainly on the coach and then the offensive line people are having issues with saying that they can this is borderline borderline slanderous because when you you pick a offensive minded head coach like everybody wants kingsbury was supposed to you know coach Mahomes, and now he's got kyler murray so it's all lining up um, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not slanderous. It's, it's actually realistic. Yeah. He has miscues, but we don't care because he's an offensive minded head coach and he looks like an actor and he's only 30 something or whatever he is. Uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's me on my soapbox again. Like, of course I understand the appeal of an offensive minded head coach and we'll probably see more of them. Uh, but these old coaches keep winning Super Bowls. I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, it's Belichick. It's Andy Reed. Um, it's, uh, what was Eagles do was 50, 51, 50 when he won Doug Peterson. Yeah. So when all of the, the, there's none of these young, young offensive minded head coaches are are winning Super Bowls. Now, Andy Reid is a brilliant offensive minded coaches, but he's old. So uh, I'll believe it when I see it from a consistent stretch of mobile quarterbacks, taking a team to Super Bowls and these young, you know, czars, uh, of offense, they, hasn't panned out. They, some of them get to the playoffs, but it confuses me a bit as to the uh, infatuation. So I, I'm going to go on record, and I think the Cardinals will take a leap and get in that 10-7, and 11-6 range and get into the expanded playoffs of seven teams. Um, and I, I just it puzzles me because they have so much, uh, you know, people to put on a poster in your bedroom if you're 10 years old that it seems like that's the type of team that the media would gravitate toward. And for the most part, they're like, meh. Who knows? It's but that's just me. I think uh, it's also because they had a lot of hype going into last year, and okay. they kind of disappointed. Like, yeah, especially at the end of yeah. the year, they said it's six and three. Then they finished eight yeah. and eight. Oh yeah! If you want to talk about midseason Super Bowls, the Hale Murray, that was the peak of the power. And I, I have a. <laughs> Uh, you, you guys hear me on the show a lot, uh, listeners, when I say I don't care about this team. I don't like that. I go out of my way to say that because as much as I love this sport, I don't care about any other team, whatever happens to them besides the Minnesota Vikings. Even uh, like there's teams that I can tolerate, like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I used to enjoy Tony Romo a lot. Um, and then I always have a, a large respect for Brady. But I just I don't care about any other team besides my own. And it's selfish of me, uh, but like for the NBA, I I'll, because that's such a player driven league, I'll, I'll look at Damian Lillard last night and be like, God, that's, that's cool. Those blazers are pretty neat. I just don't feel that way about other, other football teams. It's my team. And that's about it. Uh, so for me to point out to the, uh, the Cardinals, it's not that I like them whatsoever. I, if they can go, zero and 17, I would be tickled to death. Uh, but they just feel like a team that's, that's close to a breakout, but, Hey, we only have to wait 99 days to figure out uh, if 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 my little forecast is correct. Uh, in that vein, we are now in prime time for a Julio Jones trade. Uh, we're going to keep talking about this because it is a premier wide receiver uh, who some folks, for some reason, believe that he is like a you know elder statesman. Let's see if he has anything left in the tank. Well, guess what? He's marvelous. No matter uh, no matter the age, he has not shown a performance related decline. He's battled a couple of injuries, but his second act, wherever that may be, uh, should be just proclaimed in the sense that I think it's going to be very, very fruitful no matter where he goes. So what is the latest update either on the situation, Wes, or your prognostication? Um, Before you talk, though, a lot of the teams you spit out over these past three weeks are the ones that are being echoed. So kudos to you for your predictions. Yeah. Um, So today is the day that he can be moved. Mm -hmm. Um, The... June 1st deadline has passed. Uh, now, if they were to move him, half the money would be on the books for uh, 2021 and another portion would be on the books for 2022. Um, I believe it's 15.3 million guaranteed uh, for this year. Uh, that would be for any uh, team that he would be traded to. Uh, he does count uh, 23 million against the cap for Atlanta, um, that cap hit for the the new team would be 15.3 from 
the best I can under- mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. Uh, that remaining eight million, eight mil or so is uh, due to uh, signing bonuses. Abby, do you want to? We've never talked to you about this topic. Um, do you want to opine on where you think he will go, or what do you want to chime in about Julio? Well, first of all, he's still really, really good. Like, if you look at all the like advanced stats to show that, like, yards per route run, PFF grade, like, basically yeah. everything says he's still a top five receiver. Like, he just battled injuries, so yeah. And then I think I saw something earlier today. It's like Matt Ryan's passer rating when he's targeting Julio versus not is like twenty points higher. So yeah. he's still <laughs> really good when he's on the team. So whichever team gets him is going to I think they'd probably be a top five offense, just assuming they had the other Yeah. And he probably won't go to a garbage team, so that's not Yeah, because he said he wanted to win. So who was I? Was I talking to this group? I think it was you and Jason last week um, with my Julio example. God, what was I? There was a team that I plopped him on, and I was like, all of a sudden, you have Julio with that team. Was it? Yeah, it was the Ravens. So that's who I formally predict. That's where I think he will go. And I I have a mediocre track record with predictions uh, in general. Uh, I just think that that's a winning team. It's got 2019's MVP. They have a need for a wide receiver. Uh, he's going to look around the landscape of the NFL. Uh, the, the only thing that might be a little skittish is they like to run the ball a lot. Um, so that might yeah, detract him a little bit. Right. But I think we've heard long enough that Lamar needs more weapons, even though they run the ball. Uh, and I just think it's tailor-made that they can splurge for him. And then uh, right now you have Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, and uh, Watkins and Mark Andrews. And, if you have Russell Wilson throwing that team the ball or Mahomes, you're like, that's that should that should do okay. And you should be able to put Lamar Jackson in the category, but for some reason we don't give him that passer cred yet. Right. But if you make it Julio Jones, Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, and you're like looking around thinking, Woo, <laughs> wow, this is this is sexy. Uh, so that's why I think he's the front runner to go there. I haven't studied their cap situation. I don't know if they can accommodate it easily or they have to trade away another asset, but I will say the Ravens is my prediction. And then, yeah, with Rashad Bateman with a high ceiling like that, and he went to my alma mater while we're plugging those, Abby, uh, University of Minnesota. So, and that's a rival Big Ten school, you bastard. So, uh, that's what I that's what I think for my prediction. Do you guys want to single out a team, or don't you have the the cojones to do that? So about the Ravens, I think if they get Julio Jones, I think they'd pass a lot more. I think yeah, the reason they've been running so much is because I don't think they trust their receivers outside of Mark Andrews, and he's not really like an outside guy. So, I think that's part of the reason why they've been rushing so much. Yeah, but I don't think they'll actually trade for him. I think no, it's probably going to be either the Titans or the Patriots. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I've been seeing AJ Brown uh, recruiting yeah. Julio on Twitter basically every three hours. So <laughs> the Titans are another team they'll have to change their philosophy. Um, it, we we know a lot about the Vikings, and I've argued that of course Julio Jones will be fun, but I, I fear that we'd get him and then he'd be targeted like you know this little bit. He'd have to share the ball with uh, Jefferson and Thielen, who are who are dudes that you shouldn't be diminishing targets from. Uh, I know Julio Jones would change that. It just uh, I'm trying to taper any Vikings fans, not even expectations, but telling them why it's silly because we want to run the ball, and the, and the Titans do too. So they would have to say to Derrick Henry, yeah, you're not quite going to get as many touches, and he might be okay with that if it's getting Julio. Uh, Wes, you're good with predictions. You nailed J.J. Watt before anybody else did. Do you have one you want to offer here, or are you going you gonna to dance a little yeah. bit? No, um... Atlanta definitely doesn't want him um, in the, in the NFC uh, if if they can't help it. So the teams mentioned all have um, you know good uh, chance to get him. Ravens, New England, Titans. Um, one potential trade that was floated was uh, for the Titans for a third round pick and linebacker. Uh, Rashawn Evans, um, Atlanta's defensive coordinator, I think it's Dean Pease. He came from the Titans and um, knows Evans very well. And Evans had a, a career year, and I believe it was 2019 under him. So um, 
you know, a, a package like that would, you know, help Atlanta's defense that has been struggling over the uh, last five, six, forever. This is Super Bowl. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, I'll, I'll pencil in the Titans as Julio's landing spot. Okay, that that's a, that's a big prediction. Um, you said they'll have to give up assets. And here's the reason, if I'm wrong, and it's not the Ravens, that that one would make sense, uh, unlike the Vikings who already have Dylan Jefferson. Uh, you have A.J. Brown, and then you have these guys. Josh Reynolds, who I like for WR3, not going to threaten Julio. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akeem, Chester Rogers, Cameron Batson, Mason Kinsey, Des Fitzpatrick, Cody Hollister, Fred Brown, Marcus Johnson, Kahia Lipscomb, and Racy McMath. Those are all of the wide receivers on the depth chart right now for the Titans. Yes, I pulled up a website and read all those <laughs> off. I didn't have them memorized. Uh, but there, there's a need there for a WR2. Reynolds with the Mahomes could probably be a fancy-dancy WR2, but uh, it would make sense if the Titans dealt for him, A, with the recruiting aspect, uh, for uh, by AJ Brown, and then they need the WR2. And you know, if AJ Brown idolized this dude, uh, you know, then they I think there, there's something there, so I can see that one happening. And then they'd have to they have to switch their philosophy, um, as opposed to the mm-hmm. blah 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 touches that Henry gets per game, it's going to have to reduce probably by 20% to satisfy the fact that you have two Herculean weapons in uh, yeah. Brown and Jones. So the uh, other they thing- also have like the targets that have opened up because not only do they lose Corey Davis, they also lost um, Johnny Smith. So like yeah. the targets yeah. that would have gone to those guys could just, yeah. just give them to Julio. Yeah, that is a remarkable point. Maybe they, maybe they can balance it where they don't have to ignore Henry because why would you want to do that? Especially if they're committed to that type of ball under Vrabel. Uh, I doubt that he's doing a run first offense just for kicks. Um, so yeah, that would make sense that the target hogs uh, are out of the way from Davis and Janu Smith and even Khalif Raymond, not a target hog, but he's not there anymore. He's with the Lions and he's yeah. like their WR3. The thing they the basically thing, lost all their receiving weapons. Yeah, yeah, then that's yeah. That, that's a big deal in the contemporary NFL. You don't want to be losing pass catchers. You want to be um, stacking them and reducing your role of the running back. At least that's what the playbook says now. The other thing I thought was funny is I think NFL <laughs> Update which is a prominent Twitter account and puts out decent stuff and breaks, you know, decent news is they compared Jones to when Randy Moss was washed up with the Raiders and everybody allegedly had just kind of thrown in the towel on him. And I think the Patriots threw a fourth rounder for Moss and kickstarted his career once again. So two things on that. I don't think any of us on the call, you're probably too young, Ivy to nobody. I know ever thought Randy was done with the Raiders. I think they believed that he was, uh, not in a good fit, and perhaps the world had forgotten about him a little bit, but he wasn't old, and I wasn't shocked at all by his second act, and I don't think that – I know Minnesotans weren't. It was more of a uh, this is what I was trying to tell you guys type of mentality, and he blew up the world. And people don't think that Julio is just is washed. Not any reasonable football minds. I think you have to place him in your top six wide receivers if you're doing it, and that might even be uh, – not generous. That might even be top five because uh, he's just he, he he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, probably because he gets so much uh, attention in the red zone. But yeah, the dude he's nowhere near falling off, at least in my estimation. Do you guys want to touch on the Roger stuff for a few minutes before we hop off? Anything new that we want to talk about? Because that one's not going away anytime soon. Um. Yeah, I think the latest that I heard is, uh, you know. Green Bay reinforced their stance that they don't plan on moving them. And uh, I think the news kind of quieted down around him now. Uh, but now that we've hit the uh, 2nd of June, obviously it's time to, to revamp all that because his cap hit will get spread over two years, just like Jones's would. Yeah, we've never I still don't here. think he's actually going to get traded. No. Like, yeah, I don't think the Packers are going to, unless a team gives up like three first rounds and three second round picks. Yeah. But I don't think any team's going to give that for Rogers at this age. So I think like the most likely scenario is that Rogers just like holds out and doesn't do anything, or maybe he just ends up playing and then leaves next year. Which what I think P- was the Packers' original plan. So what a PR nightmare <clears throat> if 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 he <laughs> just holds out and 
they go with Jordan Love and Love is no well, world. I would I would throw this laptop through the window if he turned out to be as good as Rodgers. <laughs> I'm sick of the supremacy at quarterback for them. Um, but yeah, they probably will experience a diminished product offensively, and we're going to learn that Rodgers masked a lot of their deficiencies over the years or enhanced them. Uh, it's probably the better terminology. Um, but yeah, I, I go back and forth on this. I was on a podcast third and forever with a Packer fan and a Viking fan. And uh, I just, I got to thinking like, it feels like there's going to be a kumbaya because Rogers probably wants to play football and Goody in green Bay isn't going to trade him. And so it, it, we're really facing the possibility that nothing happens. They just let him waste in the twilight of his career, even though he was just the MVP that they're too stubborn to come to an agreement for him to play or for him to be traded. Uh, but then I start to think, would they really do that? I mean, that's close to suicidal because you, I disagree, Abby. I think they can get a couple first rounders for Rodgers for a team like the Broncos that thinks that, God, all we need is this guy. And they've already done it with Peyton Manning uh, nine years ago. Um, so I think a team would give up a mini farm for him. Um, but I, I, I'm, I can't make a decision on this one day. I'm like, yeah, they're going to trade him. And the next I'm like, nope, he's going to come riding back like Favre. And I'm going to roll my eyes to the back of my brain. I can't. I, I think uh, Rogers might just want like, he'll, he'll just want, if they don't trade him before the season starts, he'll just sit and say, yeah. okay, you have Jordan Love. Let's see how good he is. And then if he's not good, then they're going to have to give him an extension or something. Cause they'll want to keep Rogers around. And if not, then they, they might be able to get trade value. But then teams know they want to trade them. So then for the Packers, they can sell them at a reduced cost. Yeah. But it I, sounds like a Rogers thing to take. Hey, look at the guy you picked. He's not that good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just I've, show it to them. I've said it uh, multiple times. The difference between uh, Rogers and Favre. First of all, I think Rogers is a better quarterback. I don't, I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, but Rodgers isn't really an attention seeker, you know, that thrives on the off season. Will I, or won't I, I just think he's an independent thinker that has his own particular way of doing things. And he's finally fed up and it's just at a standoff right now. Whereas Favre seemed to relish the, the drama and the suspense. And I think that's the difference here is this first time we've seen it from Rodgers. And so as much as it feels eerily similar, <laughs> you know, they're wearing the same colors, the same helmet and all that. I think that, uh, Rogers is just more of an independent, not a weird dude, but just a free thinker that does his own thing. And if it comes down to it, I'll just retire and, you know, I'll hang out in California and do my thing. And, uh, you know, Chastity. yeah, do that. I, I think he'd be happy as a clam doing all that. Uh, whereas I think Favre was happy as a clam being sought by the Jets, by the Vikings, by the Packers right. again. I think that I think it's just different personalities. Um, Anything we forgot? Anything you guys want to get in the last moments of this show? I think we got it. No? What, uh, so. what do you guys got for NBA predictions now that the Lakers are down 3-2? Uh, do you guys think the, the Nets are going to bring this thing home or what? Yeah, I've been saying the Nets are going to. Oh, yeah. The, so. the Olympic team? I'm not, I'm not a fan of assembling <laughs> absolute world-class teams just to thwart LeBron James, but... That's an I, I mean, show. They did it, so well, that's <laughs> a little little different. Uh, every time LeBron gets too powerful, a new team sprouts up to try to thwart him, and it takes multiple All Stars every time, like clockwork. Yeah. Go down the line. Yeah, but they're just that good. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, and of course they're good. <laughs> they can lead yeah, each team to the playoffs Jason by themselves. Tatum scoring fifty to get even one win against them. So, yeah, oh, I, I've lived it. I know all about scoring fifty and coming up short. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen last night where LeBron would drop 50 and they'd win, but nothing even remotely close to that. Oh, nauseating is what it was. Uh, Wes, I know that you're probably in a um, compromised spot because you're a Lakers dieharder. Um, by the time folks listen to this, we'll be probably the day of the game. What's your expectations for the rest of these playoffs? Uh, I think Lakers show out in game six, force a game seven. And then it's just a matter of, if the role players can, you know, do something, they didn't do anything <laughs> last night. Uh, if that happens, you know, LA can force a, or, you know, can carry on until the second round into a, a more favorable matchup against either Denver or Portland. 
Um, I think out of the East, uh, I still think Milwaukee has a leg up even after losing uh, Dante DiVincenzo. So yeah, uh, I do think that they can beat Brooklyn uh, just based off of their defense. And I think they have enough offensive firepower to uh, stay afloat. Yeah, it'd be nice for Giannis to actually win yeah, I, in the playoffs. I think it's perfect yeah. for him right now because now the expectations didn't get didn't get the MVP or probably won't. Um, people are just kind of down on his stock, and now the pressure's off because uh, most folks don't expect the Nets to get beat by anybody, let alone the Bucks. Because now it feels like they're, they're almost the little engine that could. Where last year they were the perennial favorites in the East, and they got their uh, pants pulled down. Uh, so yeah, I still believe in the Lakers. I've been doing this LeBron thing for eighteen years, and I've been through some stuff and this, this one ranks it's, it's suspenseful, um, but it's nowhere near a rock bottom, at least in terms of emotion. So I have faith that the Lakers will win on Thursday night and then win game seven. And we'll look back and look at all the, the little graphics that said Lakers are one game away from elimination. They're going to be blown up in the off season, but now I'm, now I'm really raising the bar for myself tomorrow when I watch the game. Because <laughs> I'll be on tomorrow, I will be on pins and needles. And I haven't felt that way about a Laker or a LeBron game in about three years where I'm like, oh boy, what happens if they lose this? Yeah, one? I just don't know if the Lakers supporting cast or if LeBron's fully healthy. So. Just, well, the last year, last year the supporting cast was nowhere near as good talent wise as this one, but it just worked. Uh, last year, I remember thinking of the supporting cast and thinking, "Is it really going to happen with these guys?" Uh, I, that's how I kept feeling the feeling the whole time, and I was like, "Oh no, it's destiny. They're going to do it," and they did. But uh, they're a self-professed top-heavy team, and if the the big two aren't thriving, then somebody needs to step up. And last night, nobody—I don't even think—I mean, some people's. Grand, grandmothers and aunts would have played better than the way that those guys play. It was like a twilight zone for about 20 minutes of like nothing they just, whatsoever went It was right. like a 24 to 2 run or something. Oh my but, goodness. They yeah. couldn't shoot it Everything. Out. Missed shot. Foul against them. Call against them. Like every single thing. It was like, it, it seriously felt like how can everything go rotten and nothing good happened, and that's that's what it. And it felt like an hour, and maybe it maybe it was real time, but my goodness. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we'll be off next week. I'm taking a road trip with my family. It's the first uh, vacation we've taken in about two years, so we're gonna skip next week. But we'll be back uh, two weeks from tonight. That would be uh, June 16th, hopefully, with some Julio news or Rogers news or Watson developments or something. Um, but that's all we got. And peace. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.